0: Hi, I'm Lance, and this is Unsilent, a speak series by No Stigmas that champions mental health advocacy and challenges the stigmas that all too often prevent people from getting the help they need. We're so glad you're here. Let's dive in. You know, I think I think a lot of people they have gone through their life and they then experience some type of mental health thing and they kind of get into the work and, and do advocacy and you know I think uh, which is beautiful, but I would argue that a lot, every single one of us has mental health and if i had to pinpoint a specific time that got me interested or involved it's really difficult to do um you know i think that growing up um to immigrant parents there was a lot of mental health things there you know adjusting to your community and society and um i went and lived in india with my grandparents in a really small village from 18 months to four years old and you know, looking back on that and gaining insight into that experience and how it frames my attachments or approaches to relationships um, is really important too. And so I think the journey of mental health has always been there. Uh, but to, to really answer your question, um, you know, I started in the beginning of high school, um, working in a research lab at Harvard Medical School in the neuroscience department. Uh, and then prior to that, I started taking a lot of classes in neuroscience and Um, element in in basically sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, uh, there was this really cool like educational studies program at MIT um, on the weekends that was taught by current students there and professors. And they taught all these like really cool classes about neuroscience and the brain and science and also like how to DJ and turntable. So I did a bunch of random stuff like that, but I got really interested in it because it's just like, it's so mysterious. And it's not just the brain, it's the endogenous and the exogenous consciousness that we have. And so I really wanted to connect with people. And I felt like mental health was the way to do that because we all have it. It's a shared experience. And so that really led me on my journey. And um, yeah, from there, I mean, things just kind of kept going and it continues to go. And I continue to learn every day. I will say that the anxiety is really what kind of drove me for a very long time. and um, specifically when I was in college, it really got to me. And that's when I started to discover meditation and yoga a lot more and get really deep into that practice. And that started to help me. Um, and then continuing along that journey, you know, the process of um, preparing and getting into medical school was super anxiety provoking. And then being in medical school was uh, anxiety provoking and sort of an existential crisis of what am I doing? Um, so I think that that was sort of the underlying premise of most of it. And, uh, you know, and then I also experienced seeing how mental health uh, affected certain family members, uh, specifically in India, where it's a whole different landscape of, of stigma and, you know, a lack of resources and so forth at the time. So, yeah, it is challenging. Um, and. And to add on to that, like many can probably relate just seeing friends um, and community members that I had been exposed to um, struggling with mental health and addiction as well, which is, you know, under that umbrella. So I don't want to minimize that too. So I started doing research, very molecular neuroscience based, trying to understand, you know, learning and memory pathways um, at Harvard and then Columbia. And then I came back to Harvard and I was looking at stem cells and RNAi in pediatric brain tumors. so, I was on this clear cut path to be like this, you know, ideal South Asian pre med doctor, whatever. And uh, then I went to Wesleyan University in Connecticut, which is like a pretty liberal school um, for those that might know. And um, I continued to study neuroscience, but I also started to study um, philosophy and ethics and uh, really kind of widened my landscape. And uh, it really expanded my ideas of consciousness and how we see the human experience. And I got obsessed with this idea of storytelling and trying to be a part of someone's story and understand it. So uh, I was continuing to do, you know, lab research at the time, primarily on addiction and depression pathways then. But and it was great, you know, cool, whatever. I'm doing it. I'm like hanging out with mice or whatever. You know, it, It's uh, it was a strange experience, but also grateful for it. But there was this something in me, like, what is this for, and like, what is it to really be human and have that experience? I left the lab and I actually went to volunteer um, for another organization, India, um during my second year of college, and I went to Bihar, India in the northeast, and um yeah, it exposed me to just mental health as being the core of everything of everything I mean. You know the UN has these sustainable development goals, which is great. But at the core of every single one of those is mental health, and if you can alleviate or assist in that suffering and and um, you have people gain insight into that suffering, you can really alleviate a lot of other issues like war, right? Um, poverty, community development issues. So. That's what it came from. And at the same time, there was a family member who was going through the mental health struggle in India as well. Um, So being exposed to that stigma. After that, I graduated, moved to Los Angeles to get out of the Northeast, uh, pursued a psychiatry residency at LA County um, General Hospital in University of Southern California. And that was the definition of global health. That hospital was the definition of global health, Um, seeing over hundreds of languages immigrants from all countries you know it was it was a lot it was a lot to see and la is a big county there's a lot of substance use and homelessness and severe mental illness and uh yeah i'm very grateful for that experience um i trained during COVID as well which is a whole another ballpark that challenged my mental health to a degree that i never thought would um you know including just actually experiencing you know suicidal thoughts right um for a period of time and it it uh that experience got me connected at a deeper level to my patients though and to experience a sliver of what they might be experiencing on a daily basis is pretty special so i take that as as a as a strength now um to have gone through that experience and, and that and that emotional state, putting out a quick fact sheet of, or resources to like, you know, a meditation app, whatever. It's cool. But the the problem is the way that healthcare is done, the training, right? It's, it's rig- it's rigorous training. And I understand the need for some of it, right? I am <laughs> originally East Coast trained. So I get it. I get the battleground, the war zone of going through residency and all that, but there's a better way to do it. There's a way to do it, but also, Create an environment where people are not afraid to speak up or to say, like, I just need I need I need an hour, I need a day, like I just like need to reset here and I need some help. That there's fear though to speak up. And I would argue like the stigma is almost worse within the healthcare field. And physician suicide is terrible. It's much worse than the general population, right? And we saw dramatically during COVID physicians losing their life to suicide. And Specifically a huge story out of New York City, right? There was an ER physician who was top of her game, lost her life to suicide. Um, and so the only question I have is like, you know, when do we stop looking at headlines and, and uh holding our heart for a few days versus when do we start actually making change happen in this and change the way that we think about it and the way that we address and care for each other, especially in this field, because you know when i was training during covid it was it was tough man i mean i was a psychiatrist but i also did have the opportunity in some ways to help cover general medicine and and the covid units for um a bit of time just because i saw my peers in that space being burnt out and finding them in stairwells crying and just being pushed to the the grind because it wasn't just taking care of patients we were also getting infiltrated on through media and social media right about um oh is it really real right like is covid really that bad there's a lot of different opinions and i get it because when there's uncertainty it leads to anxiety which leads to fear and i understand all of that but as a physician who's in the unit and you're seeing people dying on you and you're burnt out what are you going to say it's just compounding onto it right and um It's a whole other issue right now. People, there's a positive to people talking about healthcare and health and mental health, but it's also really impacting um, a lot of mental health professionals and physicians who are having to have these conversations and re-educating and being faced with a lot of of you know um, resistance and anti-anti medicine um, vibes. And 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 for me, I want to integrate both sides of it. Right, I'm open to the conversation. So during COVID, it was just uh, that at a escalated level and and for me i was pretty isolated personally i mean i uh fortunately had a good community of friends to talk to but i didn't want to see them initially because there was no vaccine There was a lot of uncertainty of what could happen and i was working in a hospital and there was a few times you know when i was working nights straight in an inpatient psych unit and during the day i couldn't see anyone so i was literally just hanging out with people who had very severe mental illness and then trying to like be at peace with myself during the day um and it was it was really challenging and it eventually got to me just like you know July 3rd uh 2020 I was just like paralyzed in my bed like pretty negative thoughts of like desire to just end it all you know and I think that was tough that was tough and I got through it and I got through it because I Fortunately, built a structure of people around me that you know we would check in and reach out to each other. So, um, yeah, I you, you know I think it needs to change. It's not just in the homeless community or you know um, business community, whatever it is. Every single community, because it's everyone again, it deals with mental health. And in healthcare, the conversation needs to be transparent and open because we're not caring for those folks. And we know that will trickle down to impact the patients they see. You know, I'll say the positive to this is there are steps being made and changes being made. You know, there's chief wellness officers that hospitals and institutions are hiring. There are therapists on staff, confidential um, stuff. There's, you know, I've been able to start physician burnout programs when I was in medical school and residency and speak openly about it there are physicians, younger ones typically speaking out, um, some older ones coming and speaking out as well. And so it's definitely shifting. The landscape is shifting. And I think that we will see it change more and more generationally, because it's the younger people who are really trying to change it and shift it. Um, and so I am excited for that. And, and But I do think that uh, we have to work a little bit harder from all prongs to really, create an environment that's open um for people to speak up because even me you know speaking out about it there's still like a hesitation right i mean there was like oh you know what if a patient sees this and they see like their psychiatrist had struggled on their own you know is that positive or negative and or if my boss or someone i work with sees it right and so uh i had to get over that barrier personally i know a lot of people did as well and i know people who struggle who don't want to talk openly about it Right. And I respect that, too. So, yeah, things are changing in a positive direction for sure. But I do think that we need all levels, including government, you know, management and hospitals. And perhaps, you know, we actually do more training for, for people in leadership about mindfulness and emotional resilience and creating these structures. And how do you actually create that environment? And it comes back to education, right? the first thing i'd say is don't overthink it you know you don't have to have a huge platform or create this wild thing i mean the, the biggest impact you can have again it's simplification which is actually just reach out to someone um let's get off off the digital and just reach out to someone make a call go on a walk um that's it that's it because you know the trickle effect of impacting someone's life is pretty pretty amazing. And it doesn't even have to be someone you know, if you go get a coffee at a coffee shop, just go and have a little conversation with the barista, right? It's just the micro, we didn't talk about this and we're running out of time, but it's the micro connections that you have with the barista, the person at the bookstore, a smile at someone on the bus or the train or the subway, those were lost during COVID. And we recognize now that micro connections build up to help ground you and to build emotional resilience. And it's the spurts of joy of dopamine that keep you balanced. We lost that during COVID and so those are powerful. And so if you wanna be an advocate, it's about just bring those back into your life and into the other person's life. Um, And a facial gesture or a hi, hello, how are you can really make a huge mark. And just imagine if everyone did that. The key here is that you know self-harm and self-loathing and unfortunately suicide occurs when there's a loss of hope and a loss of hope comes from when you feel no longer connected to anyone or anything and so if you were in that state imagine if you were in that state and then some random person on the bus just said hey how you doing it just sparked that you just prevented someone from losing their life to suicide Right, I mean, I'm simplifying it for this, but you can have that. You can have that impact, and that's what being an advocate is. To go beyond the show, be sure to connect with us on all social media platforms at No Stigmas, and you can always reach out at NoStigmas.org to connect with us and see how we can team up together to champion mental health equity for all. Remember, to break these stigmas, we must be unsilent. We'll see you next time.